1: Welcome to Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron on Radio South at only six point four and Coast Access Radio in Kapiti. And Happy New Year's! We are back and so are the news and reviews from the motoring community coming up this week. Uh, we're kicking off with bureaucracy BS, and it's a doozy. First up, some welcome back music. <laughs>
2: and think of Got it, babe. Expansion, all kinds of precious gifts. If I take that diamond ring, you better. Put it, babe. You used to be so amused. And a pony and a rags is the language that he used. Now go to him, now Calls you, you can't refuse. When you got nothing, you got nothing to lose You're invisible now, you got no secrets
1: Yeah, then. Right here, right now, 2023 on Grinding Gears, Radio South of 90, XSFM, and 96.4 and and Access FM in And starting with a bugger of a as BSS, congestion charging will now be possible under a new ticketing system. So costing motorists more...
0: Yeah, a new national ticketing system for buses, ferries, and trains will open the way for more road tolls and could introduce congestion charges for motorists. Yeah, that's for the first time. So we'll wonder if, uh, yeah, cyclists have to stump up with something. Mm,
1: Well, a business case, because we're all a frickin' business, for a $1.4 billion system, which is actually going to be built by apparently a U.S. transport and military contractor called Cubic, raises this possibility several times. Uh, WACA the tie, New Zealand Transport Agency, has signed up this company to draw a new system across 13 regions by the end of 2026.
0: Well, it's not like the Kiwi companies uh, seem to be getting roading done, right? Uh, so, well, mm. yeah. Well, there might be. It's just a bit hard, I reckon. Uh, well, I'm not too sure. But um, it could provide a platform for uh, park and ride or road tolling and congestion charging. Uh, the business case released under the Official Informations Act, the, the old OIA reckons.
1: It's focused mainly on the benefits of boosting patronage <laughs> and jamming roads, even though those two contradict each other, and relieving motorists of costs such as for repairs and parking. <laughs> However, it also repeatedly noted the expansion option, saying there are a range of other transport-related services that could be serviced. Examples include tolling, congestion charging, park and ride, and so forth. It would enable transport accounts, not just for ticketing, but for all transport payments, such as congestion charges, drivers who enter congested congested areas at peak times.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, um, the new system, uh, like those in Queensland, London, Chicago, and Sydney, is open loop, meaning you will not need to chop up Separate B snapper hop or metro cards instead uh, you pay by hovering a smartphone or debit card over a card reader uh, and each customer would only need one account.
1: This apparently Simplified approach would allow linking of fare levels to future congestion charging regimes, the report said. Currently, only three roads are actually tolled in these Zealand, but Wakatai is already spending millions on back office systems to enable more.
0: Yeah, both tolling more roads, each of which would require ministerial sign off, and new congestion charges would be politically charged. And we can practically see the politicians rubbing their hands together already.
1: Mm, Well, this 228 page business case was done in August last year and does not actually put a time time frame around any of these options. But it stated it was guaranteed the system would deliver the lowest possible fare to customers, caps on fares. Because it charges a person's account at the, end, at the end of the day, when all their possible concessions can be factored in. Mm.
0: Mm, yeah, the business case and several other reports released under the OIA show the Waka Kotahi had high hopes for the ticketing system uh, helping to unjam the roads, especially uh, yeah, especially up there in Auckland, and it can foresee five hundred million dollars of decongestion benefits. From 2026
1: to 2027. I wonder how they're making $500 million off of decongestion benefits, but anyway, they reckon the key benefit is increased patronage, which leads to decongestion benefits from fewer private vehicles, public transport user benefits, and from not uh, from not using a vehicle because of you know, the price of gas, such as reduced petrol and maintenance costs, and reduced parking charges. And apparently, Canterbury aims to run a pilot first up in mid-2024.
0: Yeah, cubic offered the experiment in Wellington earlier, but its proposal was not costed or detailed enough, like well, Kotahi said. Instead of a stopgap expansion of snapper cards on the train system, well oh, that's yeah, that's gone ahead at a cost of 25 million.
1: Mm, well, apparently, the benefits of a national system outweighed the costs by 1.7 to 1. So that's not, yeah, 1.7 to 1. You can do the maths there. Yeah. compared to separate regional upgrades, the business case claims So it's a 1.4 billion in capital and operating costs over 14 years. That's the total venue ticketing system compared to okay, 1.1 billion for the region by region upgrade and 7800 million for the third option, which is doing nothing.
0: Yeah, well, but there is nothing for free, we all know that. Um, mm. yeah, the business case briefly touched on making public transport free at a cost of 385 million dollars a year. Uh, I'd reckoned. In those countries and cities that have introduced free public transport, there's been yeah little reduction in private vehicle use.
1: Well, in places like London too, if you're rich enough, you can just drive your old Range Rover all the way in there. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, services typically did not improve uh, due to lack of money. It's uh, dismissing the idea. Climate change has touched on the business case too, but not in depth. The national ticketing solution is a long time coming. Apparently, stop cap solutions have been used since 2013 trying to keep the country there, 16 different
0: systems going. Yeah, outdated and inefficient systems, such as in Canterbury and for the trains in Wellington, turned customers off, the report said. Um,
1: yeah, probably cost too much.
0: Yeah, well, they virtually need updating uh, every five years. And it also wrangles up with Auckland Transport, the old AT, um, and they have held up a national system for years. Uh, The business case stressed Tahi was keeping Auckland on board and the AT is increasingly supportive.
1: It does stand to gain uh, the most as usual if the new system boosts patronage as they forecast. A mere 0.5% boost in customers nationally would actually be worth $236 bucks in benefits. Overall, it was forecast the ticket system would increase passenger trip numbers by 2%, 2% in 2026-27, um, by up to 5% by the 10th year.
0: Yeah, that would play a part. And the forecasted overall rise in patronage for Auckland from 48 million trips a year now to 198 million by 2035. And Greater Wellington from 18 million to 58 million. And Canterbury, it goes from seven right through to 17 million.
1: Mm, Well, a group of uh, nine smaller regions. That would have been instrumental in getting this forward national ticketing, but apparently grew from seven million trips to now nineteen million. But with data gathering, one drawback is the national ticketing system will concentrate customer information in one place that could actually be hacked or compromised by you know the old security
0: gaps. Yeah, one central account-based system poses wider and more significant data risk, uh, digital risk uh, than the current regional closed-loop solutions. The report said. Uh, Auckland's Hop, Wellington's Snapper, and Christchurch's Metro card, and the B card used in Dunedin and Queenstown, the closed loop proprietary systems.
1: Mm-hmm. And the plus was all the rich data the new system would provide to planners and policy makers, would also boost tracing and tracking attempts during disruptions such as bloody COVID 19, the report reckons. Data capture would also enable future services like ride sharing and the development of smart cities, it said, where cities focus on using information and communication technologies to increase efficiency and provide services, which they should frankly really be providing.
0: Yeah, yeah. In the US, privacy campaigners have expressed alarm. The development of smart cities creates growing incentives for companies like Ubik to aggregate and, uh, the data and then sell it. And who like knows? Like Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, who, who knows uh, when it will come to um, come to America? But Waikato Tahi told Radio New Zealand that it's only very limited personal information that will be gathered by the system, e.g., you like your name and your and your contact details.
1: Yeah, so they can send you some good advertising emails. Also, the system would meet the requirements and expectations in respect of data sovereignty and apparently married, Data sovereignty. It had, uh, adopted privacy by design approach, and we do a privacy impact assessment at the delivery phase, apparently. So, as we prepare to reach deeper into our pockets once again for a plan which may or may not work, uh, let's just crank us song and return to some good stuff about cars. Back on Grinding Gears with Pete. And Aaron. Radio South for 96.4 and Coast Access Radio Capity. if you remember uh, last year, maybe the year before, we did a story about a YouTube car builder who got taken to court for building a Gona 60 Seconds Eleanor lookalike because copyright issues. Well, some good news now. as Aaron
0: will report. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the Shelby GT500 Eleanor lookalikes have finally freed after copyright battles. Finally, the hero car is finally ready for more people. Um, so, what happened, and who was being a dick about it? Well, you don't need to be a coroner to to know
1: Eleanor, the grey and black '67 Shelby GT Hundred, made famous by the 2000 remake, of gone in sixty seconds. Ever since that movie, it's yet as various different companies have tried to capitalize on the car's popularity and build Eleanor replicas, including actually apparently Carl Shelby himself.
0: Yeah, however, each time someone tried to build one, they were sued by Denise Hallecki. And uh, they, she's the surviving uh, spouse of H.B. Uh, Toby Hallecki, uh, who created and directed the original 1974 in 60 Seconds. Well, no longer because the Shelby Trust just won a long-standing copyright battle with Halicki over the right to build Eleanor lookalikes.
1: Mrs. Hallecki's argument was that Eleanor represented a character's copyright she owned after Toby Hallecki died in 1989. The Eleanor name wasn't only used in the 2000s, gone a 60 seconds remake, but also used in the original film, as well as Toby Hallecki's other movies, The Man, which is bloody good. We've done a movie review in a short him and Deadline Auto Theft. And all of Toby Hallecki's original films... Eleanor was actually a 71 yellow and black Mustang Mach 1, so the character that uh, Mrs. Haliki argued was her own
0: wasn't as specific as she claimed. Yeah, when Shelby or anyone built licensed uh, Shelby GT500s has Eleanor lookalikes, typically based on the 2000 remake grey and black car, Haliki suit. This was also despite the fact it was actually designed by Chip Foose. That forced the Shelby Trust to sue Hallecki to protect his life disease.
1: Ultimately, the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California ruled in favour of Shelby, claiming that none of the Eleanor-named cars in any of the Hallecki's movies deserve character copyright protection. And that is a big win for the Shelby Trust whose licensees are now safe to build cars whatever they want without having to worry about a lawsuit from Hallecky. A fellow called Neil Cummings, a co-trustee of the trust, stated, we can finally tell our important licensees and the Shelby GT500 owners that Mrs. Hallecky has absolutely no right to complain about or file a lawsuit based on the looks of any car licensed by the Shelby Trust.
0: Yeah, it's unclear what's going on or what's going to happen to other people that have been already sued by Halaki, such as the B is for build YouTube channel, whose uh, 2005 Mustang Eleanor conversion build was ordered to be shut down and handed over to Halaki. However, Shelby's legal issues over the GT500 Eleanor lookalike seem to have been solved.
1: Yeah, we were watching the show and he couldn't really say anything about what had happened because, you know, legal issues, but well, now we know. Land of the lawyers, huh? Well, moving on to some hydrogen, huh? And Toyota's unveiled a prototype Corolla Cross hydrogen combustion engine car. Concept called the uh, Corolla Cross H two was developed with an H two tank. with hydrogen tank and enough room for five passengers and luggage.
0: Yeah, the vehicle is based on the GR Corolla equipped with a 1.6-litre three-cylinder de- uh, three-cylinder turbo engine. Uh, that car was equipped with a hydrogen combustion engine with direct injection technology from motorsport activity. Uh, in addition to an H2 tank, based on, on the expertise gained from the development and launch uh, of the Mirai, which is a dedicated hydrogen sedan. Well, this new H2
1: vehicle is still a prototype. Its evaluation is under real-world conditions and is currently underway, even as uh, digital development is continuing. The car is slated to begin on its winter testing in northern Japan, well, pretty soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hydrogen combustion engine design was chosen for a number of benefits. It can provide among the top advantages offered by H2 internal combustion is that they provide the capacity to use existing internal combustion engines in addition to rapid refuelling times, plus a notable decrease in the requirement for rare and expensive elements. Elements. <laughs> well, which there is a limited supply of, such as lithium and nickel, and which, yeah they're required for electric vehicle battery production. Yeah, electric vehicle, learn. We're also, through the state of the adaptation of
1: existing technologies and reaching further into existing investments gives H2 a nice take a chance to provide a faster and more accessible carbon reduction solution. According to the automaker, it has arrived at approximately 40% of the distance along the road to commercialising vehicles such as this new Corolla h 2 concept.
0: Yeah, there is no way to tell at this point if the tech will reach mainstream use in the passenger vehicle market, but uh, Toyota is highly confident in the opportunity that it pre- presents um, uh, to motorsport.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know about you guys, you listeners out there, but we're kind of sick of all these batteries and range anxiety problems. It was actually earlier last year Toyota took part in the all Super Tycoon endurance races in Japan by way of the rookie racing team, and that's using the GR Corolla H2 with a hydrogen combustion engine.
0: Yeah, uh, throughout the events, Toyota Toyota President Akio Toyota drove in every race under the master driver pseudonym uh, of Morizo, uh, providing him mm. with providing him with a first hand opportunity to evaluate and contribute to the vehicle's development.
1: Well, that's a nice one for Mr. Toyota himself, leading by example alright, but we're on to the EVs, because Tesla time, Tesla has been ordered to upgrade the self-driving computer for free due to false advertising.
0: Yeah, yeah. A judge has ordered Tesla to upgrade customer self-driving computer for free so that they can subscribe to Tesla's full self-driving program without a large additional cost. And it's a big uh, victory for customers frustrated with uh, Tesla selling a self-driving package before the company's actually delivered a fully functioning feature.
1: Yeah, Tesla's claimed, claimed, that all its vehicles produced since 2016 have all the needed hardware to become self-driving, you know, future software updates over the air. But no surprise, the automaker that's yet to deliver on that promise had to upgrade the hardware in vehicles produced since 2016. Most notably, Tesla had to uh, upgrade the onboard computer to which it runs the self-driving software. This new computer is known as Hardware 3.0, or the FSD computer. Uh, so probably put
0: a few things in the FSD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to make good on its 2016 promise that vehicles produced going forward would have all the needed hardware to become self-driving Tesla offered a free computer retrofit to owners who ordered the full self-driving package. The fact that Tesla was doing the retrofit for free squashed people's concern about needing to update the hardware to access self-driving.
1: However, things got more complicated last year when Tesla launched its full self-driving subscription package for $199 a month. Instead of outright buying the full self-driving package, which now costs fucking $15,000 America, Tesla owners have the opportunity to, well, pay $109 a month
0: and get the features available under the package. Yeah, the problem is that for the owners who didn't have the, self, uh, the full self-driving computer retrofit, Tesla was asking for $1,500, later reduced to $1,000 to get the computer before they could get an FSD subscription
1: to go against Tesla's promise of upgrading hardware for free if needed in order to achieve this all, all self-driving capability promised since 2016. But now a Tesla owner
0: has successfully tested this theory in court. Yeah, Tesla Model 3 owner Ian Jordan decided to bring his complaint to a small claims court in the state of Washington after his requests for resolution from Tesla were ignored. His Model Three had the the hardware 2.5 computer, and Tesla wanted to ch- to charge him a thousand dollars to upgrade to the new computer before he could subscribe to FSD. So, Jordan challenged the charge, uh, challenged the charge in the small claims court,
1: and Tesla ended up uh, not showing up to defend itself. So Jordan won, but the judge's ruling was still interesting. Judge Matthew A. Skoll wrote in the case's conclusion, furthermore, plaintiff purchased a second Tesla Model 3, relying on an advertisement from the company that all Tesla 3 models came with all the necessary hardware for self-driving. defendant learned that, in fact, installing a self-driving function cost $1,106, and further harder upgrades, in violation of Tesla's
0: false advertising. Yeah, Jordan also made a separate claim against Tesla over lost functionality in his other Tesla vehicle that was equipped with the original MCU1 media unit. Uh, Even though it was still under warranty, Tesla said it couldn't fix the issue, and instead of recommending a paid upgrade to the new generation of media computers, the MCU2.
1: Uh, no, I, he would have two Teslas, but anyway, the judge found this was a breach of warranty and ordered Tesla to pay Jordan 1657 bucks 50 the cost of upgrading to the new computer.
0: Uh, he also ordered that uh, $500 reward to compensate for the loss of AM radio since Tesla's solution of upgrading to the new computer instead of restoring the functions of the original one resulted in the loss of AM radio, which is not available on the MCU-2. apparently
1: you know, a lot of the still be all talkback shows are on AM radio, so fair enough. Jordan told Electric that Tesla quickly paid what the court has ordered, which is good considering how much money they're losing at the moment, because, well, you know, Elon's been a dick. (laughs) Speaking of which, well, that's us for this week. So remember, well, don't be like Elon and make it quick.
0: The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz.